But who's stepping up to assume the task? You're a 92, one day at a time. Day one, game one. Kieran O'Hara, how are you? As things, Rob, still don't have the Swedish for hello, but we'll, we'll muddle through. I think we should work through a few days before we even look it up. Uh, Michael Foley, how are you? I'm good, Rob. Do you know what? Here's a, here's a good thing that's happened, right? Remember the last episode, uh, if you remember it, um, there has only been one, um, <laughs> where I was talking about, like, I couldn't remember anything about 1992. Yes. Well, I'm glad to say that stuff is coming back. And I think it's because I watched our first game, like France, France versus Sweden. Mm. I, rem- for example, I remembered that I did my junior cert in 1992. Okay. I mean, this is great. I, I, had, I had no idea. I had no memory whatsoever of this year. It was kind of like very, very strange kind of situation. I, I, how would you forget the year you did your junior cert? It's completely gone. But watching the game, it started to come back. So I'm actually, do you know what? It's, you know what it's done? It's actually made me quite um, a bit more kind of, in, well, not, I wouldn't say enthusiastic, but a bit more kind of protective about Euro 92 as being a legit serious tournament that deserves a bit of conversation, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> but why not? Why not defend what we're doing? If nothing I else, I mean, we're, we're about to dive into... Well, cars. let's try and validate it in exactly. some capacity. <laughs> of watching football with Russian commentary or whatever. Oh, Lord, well, I actually, so I, actually I, I watched the ITV commentary. How did you get that? And why didn't you tell I'd us? I'd not say on a, on a public forum. Oh. He knows TV people, you see. Oh. He knows TV people. I also watched the Russian one, Rob. Rob, did it bother you at all? That they couldn't pronounce the names of a lot of the players. Like Laurent Blanc became Blanca. Yeah, Blanca was a bit ridiculous. Sorry. That was the well, well, actually, the ITV they struggled with Viarua. <laughs> I think it was Clive Tilsley, and he was really struggling with Viarua. You can you can imagine what the Russians did with Viarua. Like Deschamps became like Deschamps. Deschamps sounded like a fella from West Cork. <laughs> Deschamps, play players for the Scotchers. And they nailed Stefan. They nailed Stefan Schwartz. They had his name to a key. They had him down then. Yeah, they were a bit more comfortable with the Swedes. The French still had them wrecked. They couldn't. They couldn't cope at all with it. Yeah, I suppose when when uh, Luis was it Luis Fernandez? Yeah, came up that that might have blown their mind. Who who, you know coming back to Mick's point about a few Mexico '86 survivors. He was he was the one that was really obvious to me because he'd he'd been one of their better players in Mexico and I'd kind of. You've been wondering where he disappeared to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's come back for Euro 92. Like it was gas, wasn't it though? Like, cause it is, it's a funny sort of a mix and match them French team. Like uh, they're quite old um, compared to like the Swedes. A lot of the Swedish players are under 25. I think uh, there was like the, 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 the defense, I'd say three of them were like 2021. 20, mm. Like Roland Nielsen was the only experienced player in their, in their defense. Yeah. And yeah. they paid, they play with such a look. I mean, we we'll get into the game in a second. Yeah. They play with such a, a positive attitude. But here is here is the format, folks. If you're new to this and you've listened to the intro and you're wondering what we do, we you probably got it. We dig out uh, the entire game from, from the internet uh, and we follow. We rewatch it. It's like what we're looking at is it's like source material historical review uh, and it can throw up some really interesting things when you sit and watch 90 minutes and we have to do it we we promise each other we'll do it we sit through the whole 90 minutes sometimes a little bit more and uh and watch the games and then we we come to you and we podcast about it 
Game and both one. our listeners are delighted. <laughs> and then we try and find lots of other funny stories from around the edges if those games turn out to be crap, which, let's be honest, a lot of Italian 90 did. Speaking of Italian 90, lads, uh, the day of the tournament in the Irish Independent, uh, the game of soccer bids to make amends after the disappointing World Cup in Italy two years ago when the European Championship kicks off in Stockholm today. I really hope it makes up for Italy, dead. French coach Michel Platini, who couldn't turn around their fortunes in the qualifiers when he, he jumped on board with them. Hope springs eternal. Platini went on to say, Mick, you, you like this. You are not asked to play well. This is not figure skating where they hand out points on style. You have to win, said Michel oh, Platini. There's the, there are the words of a hard-bitten winner who doesn't care what he has to do to get what he wants, as we will find out in the decades that followed. Uh, but uh, Platini, lads, here's another thing, right? Mention of Michel Platini, French manager. This was his, I think, only managerial job uh, he, when yes. he took the French over. Yeah, well, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think he might have been a caretaker at like Saint Etienne at some point years later when they're when they were in crisis. Yeah. Um, yeah. I couldn't, but, but yeah, he came in when they had failed to qualify for Italian 90. And, and they, had so, they had some run initially, like they won 19 games in a row or something like that. He was. I think he might have been even in earlier. I think he was in. I think he was in somewhere in '88. So I don't know where the maybe did they, they drew with make, Cyprus, which yes. meant they couldn't qualify for Italy in Italy '1990. And then he was in. But coming into this, the run of form they had was outstanding. They were clear favourites to win the tournament. It was an all-time record for France to go 19 games unbeaten. So I mean, they were flying. No, it was the point that was being made in the build-up to it uh, was that maybe they had peaked too early because. The, Won their 19 games, or were unbeaten in their 19 games, I should say. Then they went to England. They lost to England in the February of 92. Um, yeah, it kind of fell apart in the friendly friendlies in the lead-up, didn't it? They did. They lost to England. They lost to Switzerland. They drew with Belgium and the Netherlands. But it was sort of starting to pull apart a little bit. Um, now, Platini had gotten manager of the year at the World Soccer Awards and all sorts of stuff. So like they were like they were well gotten. As you said, they were, I think, were they the only team ever to win all, all their group games? I think they might have been. In the history of the European Championship qualifiers, I think they were the only team to ever win all of their group games. So, like, they were going well, but they had a very, very experienced team, like I mentioned there at the top. Like, they had, I think, of the, of the team that started against Sweden in the first day, there was only two of their players under 25, whereas the Swedes had eight over 20, or eight under 25, I should say. So, like, you had French experience and sort of know-how up against this huge Swedish enthusiasm, the home team, and kind of looked like that. I thought, anyway, the match itself, it just looked like the Swedes absolutely wired into them from the get-go. Like uh, The atmosphere in the stadium, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it's one of those old-school football stadiums. It, 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 was, it was like Goodison Park in the 80s or something. It was just two stories of raucous energy. Yeah. You know, there was fans running when Sweden scored, and we get into the game uh, now. So when Sweden scored, there's fans just running up and down with with flags uh, up and down along the front of the stands, and there was no Stuart stopping them, no interest. It did look to be, I might be wrong, twenty nine thousand eight hundred out of it. Was it all seated? I think it was. Looked like it. No, the two it, ends looked like terraces. Like they they were, and they were built high. But they yeah. were, yeah. But I think they, I think they were seated, but just squeezed in. All right, here it is. Game one, Sweden won. France won. The headline the following day, Daily Mirror, 
Tweed Catch Platini Napping. Sleep Frog is the extension of that headline. God. Mother Bove. of God. Listen, Bove. I think this needs to come with a warning. We are placing ourselves in the time and we are actually reacting to the unpeaceiness of the time more than that and on. But Mother of God, they didn't hold back on the old headlines. Uh, yeah, so we were also informed in that uh, report on that game that King Carl Gustav is Prime Minister two ambassadors and 29,860 spectators and viewers in 135 countries watched this intended showpiece and wondered why they had bothered. Oh, I think that's harsh. I, I, I think, think that's, that's harsh. harsh. I, 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 sorry, no. Sorry, no. Sorry, no. Hang on a dang second. Who? who, 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 who I knew you were going to ask me. The mirror. That's, that's the, the mirror, mirror but it's, it? the, it's an AP report. There's no, okay. there's no, yeah. Uh, no byline on it. Uh, no. Yeah. All their reporters were at Graham Taylor's press conference. I mean, I, I thought it was a good game. Now, maybe that's because I now associate watching, you know, old soccer matches <laughs> with Italia 90 <laughs> and the bars being set Why pretty low. Maybe, maybe I'm comparing this to Ireland-Egypt. Uh, I thought this was a good game of football. It was one of the things, right, that brought me back. Like it was, I can't remember when I was watching the game. I remembered the anxiety about the quality of the football pre-tournament, you know. And I can also remember that the combination of the atmosphere in the stadium, the Swedes, and I mean, really timbering into France from the get. Yeah, they, they, right? they like they went for it they big time. Like it, it looked like the enthusiasm of youth. It was a game, not necessarily with an awful lot of shots on goal. Like, like the goalkeepers weren't, I would say, overworked, but there was a lot of chances. Like, wasn't there? There was a lot of yeah. It was, it and can, there was it, actually some great passages of play. Yeah, yeah. Like Sweden had one passage of play, which you were going, if if this results in a goal, this will be one of the best goals of all time. And it, <laughs> it finished up with I think like Schwartz tripped, just as he was about to get a shot off. We interrupt this show to tell our listeners about a special offer. If you're a coach or just a sports science enthusiast, you'll love this. For a limited time only, you can get 40% discount off the price of DD Sports Science membership. We're an online CBD service for coaches and sports scientists. Real good opportunity. When you sign up, just use the discount code EURO92. That's EURO all caps, 92. This is of our show that a special discounted offer. Go to at Dealy Sport on Twitter to find out more. That's at Dealy Sport, D E E L Y Sport on Twitter. There was a whole spell in the lead up to Papin's equalizer where Sweden were just coming at France in waves. So they're one nil up home tournament and their positivity was incredible. Absolutely. It was just a from the very start of the game. I mean, it was a combination of terrific energy. Do you know what it was? Do you know what it reminds me of, actually, from an Irish perspective? It remind, Sweden reminded me of what you always hoped at the, in that era that Ireland could be, you know, that they could bring that high energy, high tempo. Um, they, they were not afraid to knock it long either, Sweden, because they had a couple of big, tall boys who could, who could hold it up front. But, like, they were also able to knock it around on the floor. They had Lim, Anders Limpar, who was at Arsenal at the time, had a very, very good game in this, I thought, especially in the second half. Uh, he actually looked he looked like the best of the playmakers on the, on the pitch. Mm. Mm. I thought Deschamps looked all right. Didn't he? Deschamps was, at central, was in the central midfield for France. I thought he wasn't too bad um, as well. But like there was, you know, you had you had Jean-Pierre Papin, who was like the, the numero uno striker in Europe, I suppose, at the time himself. Lineker I think he might have, was he European footballer of the year the year before? 
I, I can't remember, man. I can't remember. But I do know that he was going to AC Milan the following season. That the deal had been done. So like he was he was the man. Um, I thought he actually was quite. He scored the goal. He scored the equalizer. Sweden went ahead midway through the first Mick, half. That goal. Yeah. Uh, Jan Eriksson like he came from the other end of the field oh yeah like that, talk about timing, or timing a run late I mean I think he possibly he started that run in Malmo I swear to God and he finished did. it in Stockholm you know it was, it was it was like a corner comes across for the I, and I can't I can't imagine that there's no one who doesn't remember this goal out there but this the corner corner comes across and when you're watching it on TV corner it's a good corner um there's no sign of the goal scorer at all until the last second you see him flashing into the into into into, into the camera shot and he just bullet header. Nobody like the French are like, what? What just who? Was it a bird? Was it a plane? You know? And it's in the net. And you're like, and even and the best the best angle is the side on one from the from you know from from side on to the goal and in the replay and you just see him come from freaking nowhere. He's like the next thing he's flying through the air and the ball's in the net. Beautiful header. I, I'm not sure what the Russian co-commentator thought of it, but Ron Atkinson on ITV <laughs> was blaming the defender for not picking him up. Oh, I was going, dear. where was he supposed to pick him he up? He would have had to pick him up outside on the road, outside, <laughs> and follow him in. The man came from so far back. Like, I mean, nobody. I'd say, oh, I'd say no one in the no one in the ground even saw him coming. I'd say into into into, into the box the way he did it. Oh, I was like, it was a fabulous goal. Fabulous headed goal. That goal could have redefined corners if anyone tried to copy it. I, I wonder, is it a cheat code to corners that we don't know now? And if someone rewatches the 1990s. But also the power of the header. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely caught it sweet. Like they, 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 they'd advise against that type of header now for fear of, you know, causing brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> that's, on, that's on 24 minutes and they're 1-0 up at halftime. And, and as you said, France equalized. So, but I'm just wondering... Yeah, let's let's get to the French equaliser maybe as well. Let's get the two goals out of the way because, I mean, as I said, Sweden seemed to be coming forward. And then I think it was uh, I, I checked back just to check it. Uh, Class Ingerson or uh, Ingerson, sorry, Ingerson got caught in possession, mm. and it was a quick turnover. And God, they moved the ball fast. It was a beautiful pass. Who did the pass? God, Perez. Oh, what a pass! Perez. It was a good, glorious crossfield pass to Papan, who was kind of coming down the right flank towards the Swedish box. And he kind of headed it to control it and then managed to kind of just move a little bit to the left as it was coming out to the edge or maybe just inside the Swedish box and absolutely rifled it into the far left-hand corner away from Thomas Ravelli. Like, it's on, it's well worth finding it on YouTube. It's a terrific goal, but very much against the run of play just in that period, wasn't it? Yeah, like, the yeah. Swedes were really, as yeah. you were saying, they are really going after them, weren't they? The funny thing I found about it was this must have been when computers came into the, the replay department of the OB trucks because they showed more replays from more angles of that goal <laughs> that I had seen in a soccer match up to this. You know, like yeah. if that was tape machines, it, there'd be 12 guys operating them. Yeah. Uh, they had a replay of the celebration from a different angle. That's when you know they're going deep into replays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the camera lads. I don't know. Let's 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 bloody use them. How what good is they- how good is Anders Limper? I mean, we should we notice like I mean I don't know. I, I knew this already, but like, God, I enjoyed watching him play. I think he's probably the only one we knew at the time, was he? Maybe you might have heard of Jonas Tern, maybe. Or... Stefan Schwartz was a big Stephen name. Schwartz, he was at yeah. Benfica at the time. But like for us, we'd say watching English football, like he was, Limpar was at Arsenal a couple of years by then. He was he was here two years at the, uh, he was yeah. there the two years at that stage. We would have known Thomas Brolin 
but purely from watching the Italian league soccer of an evening, I would have thought in the highlights. Like in the end of it all, like from the Swedish team, like so, twelve guys got game time. Let's say that night. So of the twelve, like eight of them ended up playing in England eventually. Mm. Um, so you know, kind of when you're looking back now, you go, "Ah, oh, yeah, sure, I knew." Like Roland Nielsen now was a, was a Sheffield Wednesday regular by then. He was there a few years. You had Patrick Anderson who who went to Blackburn. He had a year at Blackburn. Joachim Bjorklund, who played for Rangers, played for Sunderland as well. Yeah. Um, the guys then like Class Ingleson you mentioned there. He, he went to Sheffield Wednesday eventually. Stephen Schwartz ended up. Stephen Schwartz was 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 highly recognisable. Yeah. I mean, Stephen Schwartz was with Benfica at the time, was he? Yes, he was. He was. Yeah. A man, a man who could mix a very beautiful crossfield pass with a right good hack at oh. anybody who came near him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I noticed that there was one. He got a yellow card for one of those uh, such one such hack. Was that? On, yeah, on, in I the first know. half, like he, he was treading on. Well, in fairness, I, I, I don't want to start sounding like it's a hurling match out uh, out the back pitch in the B, junior B game, but <laughs> Angloma had a coming to him. In fairness, he, <laughs> <laughs> but come here, did you not like? I mean, you talking about creative players and stuff like that, you know. I thought Jocelyn Anglema, the right back, um, who to me kind of reminds me of some of those guys who just, you know, they miss out on one really success. He wasn't there in 84, and I'm not sure he was there for the World Cup in 86, and he was certainly wasn't there for the 98 World Cup. Oh, I think he, he's first capped when, like, in 1990. Yeah, he's a terrific right back, and he's, as, as the game evolves, he's really their attacking outlet, really, isn't he? He but at the same time, he's having this ferocious battle with Limpar and a couple of others who come into his orbit. And there's a fair whack of kicking and a fair, a fair amount of punishment going both ways. But he's really, to me anyway, he was really, he was one of the most impressive players as well, Angloman. Here and Perez then had that big impact in the game. He was brought on very early in the second half. And like, I'm just checking up his career. He was a serious, serious Paris Saint-Germain player at that point in time, but hadn't been picked. I'm sure that was a, a quick correction from Platini and it worked. Uh, I mean, the, the the unusual one for me, and obviously this is because <laughs> he would later be of great import to me, but Cantona at this time, like mm. he's he's at Neem. But we're at, we're in the middle of the... You know, he, Neem leads United, all this kind of, yeah, like this is the enfant terrible, but, but like Platini had faith in him. Well, like we can't underestimate the impact here of Michel Platini on Eric Cantona's career after this. And, and did he get him the move to Leeds? He essentially did because Platini, sorry, excuse me, Cantona in December 91 retired from football. He just, he walked. He he, he had had some sort of an encounter with a referee. If my memory serves me right. uh, While on loan at Montpellier or someone. Uh, or Neem, I, I think he was at Neem at that point. But anyway, he had had an encounter. He decided, look, I've enough. Like what you got to, what we got to remember, like at this point, it's like Cantona has been a professional footballer for nine years by 1992. He's played in France alone. He played for Auxerre, Marseille, Martigues, Bordeaux, Montpellier, and then at this time, well, sorry, at the start of 92 or the end of 91, he was at Neem. So he retires from football at December 19th. He just walks away. It's been a career of fighting in dressing rooms, fighting referees, generally getting on the back. Like he was at Montpellier and they wanted him gone. But Laurent Blanc was the club captain at Montpellier. And he, he, he kind of went to bat for him and, and, kept, him, and kept him there. But Batini came to him like in, in the winter of 91, going into 92 and said, look, don't give up on this. Don't give up on us, baby. So he got him, as you say, he had a role in the move to Leeds, which, which occurred in February 92. He goes to Leeds, plays 15 games. Leeds win the league. Um, 
by the way, I have to say, for anybody who, who's interested in this period of Cantona's career, it is so worth finding one of his earliest interviews with Lee's, where Lee Chapman is the translator. Because Lee Chapman had a, a, spell a spell in New York. <laughs> it's so <laughs> worth it's so worth it, lads. Go and find it. It's gold. <laughs> but so Cantona comes into the tournament kind of rehabilitated in everybody's eyes. He's playing off. Papang is kind of so a lone striker up front. Cantona's playing off him. What I noticed, I don't know about you, but every time Cantona got near the ball, the Swedes were like wasps around him. Like they, he really didn't get, he didn't get a touch. Like, I mean, you mentioned, I think it was Schwartz got that yellow card for yeah. hacking a Cantona, I think. But it was a lot of that going on. But it, it, what I noticed about him was that the strut was there and, you know, the straight neck and the head up. And, you could have made a statue of him in that jersey. It was the quintessential France jersey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I'm amazed. Like he's 24 at this time, and he's been playing. What did you say for nine years? He's 83. He started his professional career in 83 at Auxerre. And I mean, as I say, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. He's gone through six clubs in France before he even gets to Leeds. I mean, people forget this. I mean, they know that he was the enfant terrible, but they're kind of going, well, what sort of an enfant terrible was he? <laughs> That's the kind he was. And it was really Leeds and, you know, they win the league uh, and he scores a hat-trick in the Charity Shield the following, that started in August. 19th. And I think it's the following season where he really takes off and, and United obviously get the, the yeah. famous million-pound transfer for nothing, like, you know, given what he did afterwards. You know? I was saying, I thought Didier Deschamps had a great game in this one. Um, yeah, yeah, and I really disagree there. I thought, I thought Frank, Frankie Sosa was good as well, actually. You know, just on the shops, it's funny because I said that to a buddy of mine, and he says, uh, he says, uh, it's funny. Or, or, he says, I, what was it Eric Cantona said about him? I was like, what did Eric Cantona say about him? And I'm just reading about here. Eric Cantona called him, uh, this is probably a French trans- translation, vo- a vulgar water carrier. Uh, <sighs> implying that's all he was good for. And a Muppet. He added in he was a Muppet too. And then I scroll up a bit and I see there was some sort of defamation case between the two of them. By <laughs> God, they fell out. <laughs> a Muppet. A Muppet, perhaps. A Muppet, yeah. A, a, wa- a water carrier, you say. It's not last... Like, he didn't see him as a domestique or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nice. Praying into cycling. I, I think that might be a bit of cycling, right? But like the point is, like, I kind of, I suppose I know Deschamps in his 98 but like I just was impressed with it. He was he seemed to be the general there in terms of creating an awful lot. This like what I noticed about the French was the in that squad now, not necessarily playing in this game, but a lot of the guys that go on to win the World Cup in 1998 are involved in 92. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Manu Petit was in the was in the squad as well. Yeah. Anybody else though? Was there many? Well, Blanc, um, <laughs> The only two that start the game from 98 that, that I can remember are Blanc and Deschamps. Like, this is the era of Basil Bowley, you know. Yeah. And, he was uh, good. We mentioned Papin. Oh, he was. He was. And we'll be talking a lot more about Basil Bowley before the day, before this, this series is out. It's the time of Anglo. Like, Amaros. Is, oh, yeah, Amaros was no, class. No, no, Amaros, like, lads. Like, he was there in, in the European Championships in 84, you know? Wow. Um, terrific player. He was the captain in 92. Amaros actually is an interesting backstory. I'd like to know more about Amaros. He's, his parents were Spanish. They, they fled Spain during the Franco years. That's how... And so was Fernandez. Really? Yeah. Really? So that's... So they've had a bit of uh, benefit from fascism in Spain in, the, <laughs> in, Fra- in France in the 80s and 90s. But like he played... I mean, Amaros was good. Um, but he, like they... You know what? I think it was probably... 
it was a disappointing night really for the French though because they would have been oh yeah they would they would have been I mean I I I you know I've I've I I'll mention yeah. in passing here I got a I got a lovely bag of shoot magazines uh from from a man called Dave Burke you know the way John Giles would have talked about football men you know, right. real football men and the values that those men carry the way Giles he did That's, now or the way Dunphy did about you know ah, ah, football <laughs> men Really like Liam Brady and, 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 and Johnny Giles. <laughs> well, that's Dave Burke is a real football man. He, like he looked after these shoot magazines for 30 odd years and he's he's been so kind as to share a few of them with me. And looking through um the predictions, Jimmy Greaves' predictions, right? Oh. Um he, he kind of nails it really. He, he in fairness, uh through some extraordinary language. Um, he does nail it. He kind of basically says, a lot depends on France's first game against Sweden. If they win that well, they could go all the way to the final, which is true. Because like, if they had won it and got a bit of momentum, they could have gone on to do something, I think, with the squad they had. But kind of didn't, they didn't take off in that game either. Like it was a good game and all, but I just, I, left, I don't know, but yeah, I left it with a feeling that France just didn't quite spark on the night. Cantona wasn't really an attacking threat. Yeah. Papin had really one chance. I think he, I think he, I, I, I felt Papin wasn't the player he had been. And actually, when you see after he goes to Milan, he, he there, there is something of a decline from this point on. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he was fouled, lads, on multiple occasions. Like there was a, a penalty. Oh, yeah, in like it, it was a bit like watching um, Maradona. <laughs> yeah, he was being hacked in '82. You know, it was. I mean, well, his best other chance that I can remember off the top of my head now is like he he tried a bicycle kick and he ended up kicking Roland Nielsen's head. Well, I mean, that yeah, was that did probably happen. Probably the best <laughs> other chance that he had. But I just, that's my sense of that. Sweden really monstered them with kind of heart and passion and. Jesus, lads, get into them. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know? Actually, Brawling didn't really leave much of a mark on that for me, but please correct me if I'm wrong. I just, I wasn't left wowed by him. Disappointing uh, for a man who was there. put on a, disappointing for a man who was put on the front of a postage stamp at the start of the tournament. This everybody is what I'm was, saying. Everybody was licking his backside and, and they couldn't, <laughs> couldn't deliver on the day then, could he? <laughs> I don't want to go that far. Yeah, I mean, he, he was involved in a one-one draw with the with the if, red hot favourite. If we I, can get our hands on a DeLorean and take Michael Foley to 1992, there's a job in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go, boys. Where's Let's that Taylor press conference? Oh, get him. <laughs> get some copy. Um, yeah. So look, I mean, like this is a great result, I guess. What a start for them, Kieran. From Sweden left that pitch. Oh, from a Swedish wasn't. perspective, and actually, um, did you know, Rob? We we asked in the last episode like where were Spain? Now we described how abject they were in the qualifying group with France, but Spain were the other country that competed in the bidding process for this Euros. Mm. And the reason that they didn't get them, we're told, is because in the same year the Olympics were in Barcelona, and the Expo was in Seville, and it was felt that to add another international event to the Spanish calendar would be too much. That all sounds plausible. I would say, though, it wasn't Leonard Johansson, the president of yes, UEFA at the time. And correct me if I'm wrong, was he not Swedish? Would be correct on both counts. Absolutely correct. Like, like and he was, sat, he was sat, I have to say, lads, he was sat, there was one camera shot of him, certainly in the Russian, <laughs> the Russian version. Um, and he sat up in the box and there's a lad beside him wearing a pair of aviators. I swear to God. I'd, I'd, I'd hate to know what that man has been indicted for since. 
<laughs> I love not this. good. Like I love this. Like I mean, legal disclaimer. Legal if you're disclaimer. Oh, come on, <laughs> oh, come on. He has to be safe there. We we have to be safe in this podcast. If someone can find that guy, track him down, link him to this podcast. Honestly, I'm ready for the case. We're going to. We'll all go to court together. We're with you, Mick. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Absolute yeah. clear defamation. Not right. So yeah, I mean, beyond that, I see. Like, I mean, I feel like we're going to get back to Martin Dallin at another point. But I was just he. Came, he was the one sub for Sweden. He comes on. Let's look at his scoring record for Sweden. Almost a goal every other game. Twenty nine goals in sixty games. I'm looking forward to to uh, seeing him in a bit more. And, and was he? He was in the Bundesliga at the time. Wasn't Correct. Munchen Gladbach. Munchen Gladbach. Yeah. 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 If this is rock and roll, I want my old Munch and Glad back. Yeah, yeah. Day one, game one, and uh, here's what the you know you know the way the the English love to just uh, take a pause and uh, consider consider the fact that this was a game in itself, and we'll uh, we'll celebrate it for what it is, and we'll be looking at Sweden's brilliant play. No, in fact, the headline in. Uh, or the already mentioned Daily Mirror was as follows, separate to just beside the Sweden draw 1-1 with France, England will go straight to the top of their European Championship group if they beat Denmark in Malmo this evening. Uh, well, I wonder how that worked out for them. That's coming up tomorrow. I mean, they're, they're just, they're on, they're on farm, let me tell you. They're on <laughs> farm. Like, and you have that, you have that, right? And then you compare that, like, to go back to my, to my shoots, right? Uh, my shoots. Uh, the week... The week before this week, 30 years ago, right? So they were, they'd announced this squad and so on and so forth. What I love about Shoot when you look back is just the candor of everybody. And the writing is just so, who cares? It's for kids. <laughs> um, but as a result, it's really raw in places. So like you have Gary Stevens, the England right back uh, in, in Shoot going, you know, he had been brought into the squad for the warm-ups and then dropped uh, for, the, for the tournament going, I don't know why they called me back. Because he had been left off of England and Taylor had kind of turned his back. And I don't know why he brought me back to drop me again. And then on another page, you had Mark Haley going, you didn't pick me. I'm never playing for England again. I'm concentrating on my Rangers career now. As, as if the uh, choice was Mark Haley's alone. You know, <laughs> this is it. So, you know, you've got this kind of tension already between. And also in another subsequent issue that we will, again, we will talk obviously about England a lot in other episodes, but you have, they didn't bring Ian Wright to that tournament and you have Wrighty in his shoot column kind of going, well, I don't want to get into a slanging match with Graham Taylor, but I was the top scorer in the first division. I'm not sure as many other squads have not brought the top scorer in their, in their league or whatever. Right. Which is a reasonable point. To reasonable but point. It's, it's just that conflict like Rob, that you're saying there, you know, between this kind of, we're definitely going to beat the Danes. And yet on the other side of it, it's like, um, but at the same time, we're ready to absolutely throw Graham Taylor underneath that tank that we have out there that's revving and ready to go if we don't beat the Danes. <laughs> as we circle through, and we'll have a quick uh, look back at the game for any extra bits that we spotted, but as we circle through the mood in the European Championships on day one, I see Eamon Dunphy and the Irish Independent said that any one of a half dozen teams can win this tournament. Do you know who he didn't mention in those half dozen? Yeah, we can all yeah. guess. Yugoslavia? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, he really went, he didn't, uh, I mean, uh, the Netherlands were really the team that, that everybody seemed to pick when you look across the, the, the newspapers and the magazines of the time. Because they the were expecting, they were expecting that final kick from, you know, the kind of Milan trio. Yeah, and like you had, you had Sampdoria had just won the European Cup with Kuman rifling that free kick at Wembley as well. So they had the, they had the immediate memory of that. And you had Van Basten was still going. 
uh, and you know you've got Hullet, you've got all the boys are still the band is still together, like you know. So they seem to have been the one. Would any of you like to pick? Uh, by the way, before we go any further, just when we're talking about predictions, you want to pick uh, Greavesy's um, last four? Well, you've you've kind of given some of it away in that he said he expected Brands to get to the final. Okay, so well, I'm going to say that's, that's, that's one. There you go. <laughs> I, I can't um, remember if it was on here or off here. I'm going to I'm going to say he's he's definitely fancying the chances of England. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that. The Dutch or Holland, as he probably called them. Holland is right. Kieran, so that that province of the Netherlands was going to have a great <laughs> European Championships. Go on, you're uh, three for three. Let's go. Come on. Well, yeah, home. Then, then it'd have to be the Germans, wouldn't it? Oh, he knows he's greasy. Do you want to know? He would, exp- he would expect England to lose the semi-final on penalties <laughs> to Germany. <laughs> yeah, he would. would you like? To, would you like to hear how he he described the uh, Germans in one, like like a little Pez dispenser of of kind of you know. Casual insults. Would you like to hear? Do, do, do we need to bleep this in any no, way? No, you do not. You do not. It was for kids, to be fair, but still not. You'd be kind of informing a certain notion about the Germans. Let's say plenty of flair, plenty of skill, plenty of talent, and plenty of cheats. Oh my God. Bastardly Germans. Yeah. Was, was, was Klinsman at Spurs at this stage and in danger of, you know, stealing no. the hearts of all Greavesies? Uh, <laughs> fans. Maybe he felt something in the air. All right. When other little bits of news as we wrap up this opening. I, day. Sorry, Bravo. Just I, I would like to know, given uh, that every time he was on with Ian St. John, he always used to have a good laugh at the Scots. What was Greavesy's opinion oh, of Scotland call. in this? Oh, well, here, we, here we go. Here we go. Scotland. Okay, I'll keep this quick. Let's be honest. They haven't got a chance. They won't win a game, and they probably will lose them all. In fact, Greavesy goes on to say, British Airways should keep the engine running on the Scotland team jet to bring him straight back home. If Scotland win the championship, I'll stand in Harrods shot window wearing a tartan jockstrap with a haggis on my head. Them's fighting words, lads. <laughs> I think I'd have to ask an adult what a jockstrap was after reading that and shoot. <laughs> oh, my God. Point. I, yeah. And just while we're on it, I mean, you know, we're just talking about the candor. Um, his description of the CIS and their chances. Oh, it's just... Like Yugoslavia, they're a country that doesn't even exist anymore. But at least this mob aren't killing each other. And this will be their last appearance under a unified banner. Yeek! There we go. go. It was of of a time, as we like to say. Um, All right, I feel like this story is just a tough one to follow up. But there was a little uh, bracket story, a little kind of a pulled out story here. Two punters were licking their wounds last night after turning up at Kempton Races and investing £52,000 sterling in cash on France at 6-4 to to beat Sweden. Always the draw, lads. Really should really stay away from the bar in Kempton. This is what I'm saying. If you're own experience. If you're at Kempton Races, you like racing. If you have that much money, put it on horses. For the love of God. <laughs> or, or don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I mean, the draw always in the opening. Do you know, I just come back to the Dunphy point, right? It was interesting because like Dunphy was sort of, uh, by the end of, you know, after this game, he was writing his column for the Sunday Indo a couple of days later. And it was interesting what he said. He, he said he felt that, okay, it was an ordinary enough game. He wasn't wild about the game, but he just did, he did say that, uh, you know, it was free of the cynicism and negativity that blighted Italian 90. It was a pleasure to watch after a season of English football. Ouch. But like, you know, 
the fact that already after a game, in fact, he might there might have been a couple of games before he, he wrote his column, but the fact that that's the mood now, you know, that there's a feeling of sort of getting away from that kind of clawing cynicism and, and negativity that kind of dragged that Italian 90. Definitely, and I definitely, I don't know about you, I definitely felt it watching the opening game now. Just the atmosphere, and it just felt yeah, fresh. I, I, it felt I thought fresh it was good. Yeah, it, know, felt, it felt like good stuff. I, I, I am intrigued. So, good old Eamon reckoned that half a dozen teams out of eight had a chance of winning. Who were the two he was writing off? Denmark and Scotland. Yeah, don't know if he was as mean about Scotland as, as Greedy B. But well, himself and Greedy are one there, so. I, I just have this image now of Amo in the, the window of Cleary's. <laughs> <laughs> he would have done it too, in fairness to him. What would he have on his head from Denmark? That's the question. Hmm. I should know this. I have, like, I, yeah, that's poor. Probably. <laughs> They might have got something off the Swedes and painted them red and white. Oh, <laughs> Controversial. I'm going, to, I'm going to look that up. All right, that's it. Uh, we're going to get fun toss from the lads in a second. But a reminder, you can watch along the tournament if you want to know how to do it because it's, it, you know, one of those things where we can uh, uh, let you know it by DM. Follow us on Twitter, Euro92ODAT, standing for one day at a time. And we will let you know some of the links where you can follow the games. Uh, from one game at a time. We won't give you Kieran's link. He has a special link that he doesn't give to us. That's <laughs> all very secret. But anyway, so enough of that. Uh, tomorrow is Denmark versus England. England begin their glorious, triumphant march towards the European title, I guess. Sorry, I'm really trying to place myself in the time here. Kieran, any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, I'm. I just want something. I was wondering when I was watching the game. I had a memory as a child of Fyrua winning the Oceanian Player of the Year, <laughs> and I'm just wondering, was it this year? He's definitely Tahitian. I can confirm that much. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I, I think like a number of the French players were from the departments, like the overseas departments. Like I was. was yeah. um Only was Ivor uh, Ivorian born as they say. He was born in the Irish coast. So, yeah, that's one. Anglema was from Guadeloupe. Actually ended up playing for Guadeloupe and managing Guadeloupe um, years later. And two, Spani- two Spanish born players. My God, that was quite the mix. So, yes. obviously, tomorrow we'll be checking if there's any Greenlanders or Faroe Islanders playing for Denmark. <laughs> oh, we'll be all over I do, I do like it because they do talk about World Cup 98 as being this great unifying moment for all the nationalities in France. But obviously, had they won in Euro 92, who knows? Maybe they would have been the guys that would have been labelled as the unifiers. Ah, well. Oh, also, Jared Houdier, spotted him on the bench. I think he was assistant coach in those days. Interesting. The manager in waiting. Yes. The manager in waiting. Um, <sighs> so, you know, Platini hasn't beside him. Uh, who knows? Who knows what the French were thinking this night 30 years ago? Yeah, bit worried, I'd say. We're all over this, folks. We've done years of study. Each of us has, <laughs> has a PhD in the European Championships, uh, but Wikipedia sometimes comes into it as well. That's the best way I can say. One, of, most of that was Damn, a lie. Did I give away our? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> all right, folks. Join us tomorrow uh, as the tournament continues. Denmark against England. They only had eleven days to prepare, and they bounced onto a football field to take on England. What a story. As it is, though, Sweden, the story of day one. <laughs>